Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Hi, family. Thank you for joining us again, Church Online. We live under perilous times. We live under times of uncertainty. But one thing's for sure, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same he never changes. He remains the same. The news of Ayanda passing away were difficult for a number of us. We are still in mourning, but we do not mourn as those who do not have hope. We have hope that we will see her again. The news were particularly challenging because of who Ayanda was, who she was to us, but also the fact that she leaves a husband and five children behind, including a month-old baby. Very, very challenging circumstances. The news were difficult also because we have been praying and contending for Ayanda's life. From the time the doctors uh, said she will only leave two to three hours, the church came together. We prayed, which ended up being a 24-7 prayer for three days straight. People will get into the Zoom room and pray and cry out to the Lord. Seven days later, we were still praying and trusting God to move on our behalf. And we got the news that she's passed on and she's with the Father. There's two things that have been birthed out of this uh, passing of Ayanda. I believe that uh, it is true. One of, one of the things that one of the intercessors said about this being counted unto Ayanda, the fact that the church of Jesus Christ started praying, the church of Jesus started praying for revival. I believe that her passing has led us to praying more, has led us and has birthed a prayer for revival, which is continuing every 6 a.m. on the Zoom room. We gather and pray for those who are still wrestling with COVID and those who we are trusting God for healing and those who have been affected by this pandemic. The second thing that uh, her passing has birthed is uh, we've been working on what we're going to call the Ayanda Fund, where we will give towards this family, and not only this family, but also families that have lost loved ones, in particular breadwinners or those who have lost their parents during this time. You can get in touch with us if you want to uh, contribute or if you're needing help in this regard. I'm reminded today of... Uh, words of Tim Keller when he said, the basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold mine to his. The basic purpose of prayer is not to mold God's will to mine, but to actually bend my will to his will, to align my will with his will. Though we pray, though we cry out to God and we continue to do so, we are praying to align ourselves to God's will. We are aligning ourselves to what God has called us to do. So we continue to pray for revival. We continue to help this family and those who've been affected. Today, I've got the privilege of sharing the word with uh, Matilda, who's getting ready to move to South Korea. She's going to serve there as a missionary for a period of about two years. And uh, we want to speak a blessing to her as she gets ready to move to South Korea. Also, today, we are concluding this amazing series that we've been doing 
awesome God. We've been speaking about the awesomeness of God and how God has revealed himself to different people. And those, as they were having encounters with God, they will call him names. And some of those names that we spoke about is the Lord, Yahweh. I am who I am. Yesterday, today, and forever, he remains the same. We also looked in week two, uh, Jehovah Shalom, Yahweh Shalom, Jehovah, our peace. We also looked at uh, Yahweh El Roy, the God who sees me. We looked at Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And last week, uh, Pastor Quentin shared so aptly with us about Yahweh El Shaddai, God Almighty, who comes near us and embraces us with his love. Today, we're going to be looking at Yeshua, that is the name of Jesus. Yeshua means Yahweh saves God our salvation. We hope that you've also been challenged by the devotionals that we've been doing. Very, very deep and good theological teachings about who God is. As we look at the name of Jesus we're going to start by looking at how Jesus is written in the Hebrew language. And I know for some of you, uh, maybe you've seen a tattoo uh, with this encryption. Now you know that it means Yahweh, Yeshua, or Jesus. Uh, in case you were planning to get a tattoo, this is probably a su suggestion, but please do not use my name. In Hebrew, Yeshua or Yehoshua has got two meanings to it. It's got Yah. And Yasha, Yah represent God, and Yasha means deliverer. He is our deliverer. He is our salvation. So today we're going to look at this name, Yeshua, or Yahweh saves, Yehoshua. We will be speaking about the salvation that God brings us. Another description of this name is Yeshua HaMashiach. Yahweh, the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. When we say Hamashiach, we say the anointed one. God's salvation is given through his grace. And that is his favor, his unmerited favor towards us. Through salvation, God enables us to be part of this grand narrative of his redemption story. We get to be part of this redemption story that's unfolding from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation and post the book of Revelation. The overall purpose of the writing of the Gospels is to instruct us, the listeners and the readers, about this invitation to God's salvation, to God's deliverance. So, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. He came and he took our place. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he's the son of God. He's the only one who rose from the dead and proving that he's the son of God, offering the gift of salvation to all who repent and believe in him. He came to give us the gift of salvation to all those who repent and believe in him. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, make it today your day to receive this gift of salvation. Our text today is from Luke chapter 1. If you can please read with me. We're reading about the birth of Jesus. We're reading about this name Jesus, Yeshua, and where it first started and where it was first mentioned in the Bible. 
So we're reading Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, Yeshua. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35. And he answered, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child born to you will be called Holy Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And in the sixth month, with her who was called barren for nothing is impossible with God and Mary said behold I'm the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel of the Lord departed may the Lord bless the reading of his word throughout scripture and throughout Luke's writing we see Luke building a case for salvation, building a case of soteriology or the study of salvation through the lives of the individuals who have encountered Jesus Christ. Moreover, in Luke's writing, he demonstrates some of the aspects of the gospel and the aspects that we see in Jesus Christ, healing, forgiveness, life, restoration, and the movement of the Holy Spirit. In the overall story of the scripture, it is seen that God's grace embraces us. God's grace calls us to salvation. God's grace calls us to break down the chasm that is between man or humanity and God. So the whole story about Jesus, Yeshua, is about God coming down, becoming man, and coming to save us, to deliver us from the enemy. So we're going to look at this text and read it verse by verse, exegetically unpacking what God is saying to us through this text today. So we read from verse 26, it starts by saying, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. It starts with in the sixth month. And you know that in this church, we've always said, when you read scripture, you need to read it in context, in context, and in context. So the context in which this was written, when you read from verse 1 of Luke chapter 1, we hear of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were trusting God to have a child, and they were barren. They were not able to have a child. Even though Zechariah was a priest, they still battled to have children. Nothing is special about the men of God. We are also as human as you are. 
But the Bible says the same angel, Gabriel, visited Zechariah and said to Zechariah, you and your wife are going to have child. I'm going to be blessed with a child. Zechariah failed to believe. And the Bible says God muted him. God muted him like you would mute someone on Zoom. He couldn't speak until the child was born. And God said to Zechariah that that child must be named John because his purpose is going to be providing a way, going before the way of the Savior, Jesus Christ. He'll be called the loved one. This text announces the six months now when Elizabeth is pregnant pregnant and about to have a child. She's already six months pregnant. And we hear about Mary being visited by the same angel, Gabriel. It is interesting as we read this text, we get to understand that Mary is visited by Gabriel, the angel that had visited Zacharias. And in this text, we realize that actually that Mary's testimony was birthed in Elizabeth's testimony. Mary's testimony of going to have a child was birthed in the news of knowing that Elizabeth is now pregnant with child. We get to understand from this scripture that God used the story of Elizabeth to build faith on Mary to be able to believe that that can also happen to her. So some of us, we need to hear someone else's testimony in order to believe that testimony and we will see the birth of our own testimonies. We need to hear the testimony of other people, how God has come through for them, and that will build faith for us. Imagine Mary hearing this visitation, hearing from the angel that you're going to be with child, and she hears the testimony of Elizabeth. In verse 27, it continues to say, The virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The word virgin is repeated twice, and we know that in Scripture, every time there's repetition, it's for emphasis. So the emphasis here is, I believe, God is making a point. God is wanting to say, guys, this is not just any other birth. This is a miracle birth. This is the birth of Yeshua, the one who comes to save the world. This is the birth of Yeshua HaMashiach, the God, the Anointed One. We read in verse 28, it says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, all favored one. The Lord is with you. The messenger is excited. That's why you see it in this greeting. Mary, because the word is literally becoming flesh. The, the angel is excited because the angel knows that I'm bringing good news of the word becoming flesh. Not because of who Mary was, not because of what she has done, that she's been greeted as all-favored one. I believe that uh, the conception, the birth, and the responsibility to raise the Son of God came because God saw who Mary was. God called Mary and says, you are the favored one. You are the one to be the mother of God. Even that statement itself, that sentence itself, Mary being called the mother of God, it is quite something. We continue in verse 29. The Bible says, But she was greatly troubled at the saying, at this greeting, and tried to discern what sort of greeting is this. Having heard how she was greeted, O favored one, she was troubled by that. The fear and distress came 
not only because this was an angel, but there was some form of awe that came with this greeting. And normally when people get a visitation from angels, it will cause fear. People will be afraid what is about to happen. But she's allaying her fears. The angel is allaying her fears by saying, Oh, favored one. Greetings, oh, favored one. It may happen to us as well that when God calls us to do something, that while we're trying to discern what this call is, our first response may be fear, but God has a way of allaying our fears. I'm sure Mary knew that the prophecy that had been spoken before, Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Therefore, as much as Mary would have been shocked, she would have known of this prophecy. Therefore, the question is, am I the one to receive and be the mother of the Savior? Verse 30 says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I love those words. You have found favor with God. The word favor has been mentioned before and it's been repeated again. Repetition is for emphasis. God repeats his point. God is making a point. He's saying, oh, highly favored one. And he says, you have found favor with God. Favor found Mary. Mary did not apply to be the mother of Jesus. Favor found her. I believe the essence of salvation, the essence of our Christian belief is that favor found us. We did not do anything to receive God's favor. It is unmerited favor. The Bible says while we were still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. Jesus died for us. Have you ever been in a situation where you're called upon to do something or you're given something that you didn't even know about or you were not aware that it was coming. It is a surprise. That's the favor of God right there and there. I have been to uh, Parliament twice so far. I've been invited to Parliament. The first time I was invited to Parliament, we were praying for our nation and praying for reconciliation. We had leaders like Reverend Mosenta, Wom Angus Bakken, we had Reverend Kenneth Mishwe and Mrs. Mishwe. We had uh, leaders like um, all the senior leaders you can think of in Parliament and also in South Africa. At this meeting in Parliament, they asked me to come and open with the word of prayer. It was one of those moments where you like look around and you're like, were you saying me? Favor will find you. The next time I went to Parliament, you remember we had done this land think tank as the church where we put a submission around land restitution, what we believe the Bible says about land restitution. Out of 700,000 submissions that we went to Parliament, we were selected of the 30 that came to present in Parliament. I believe that favor found us. Favor, the favor of God found us. And there'll be times in your life where the favor of God will find you. If you are not yet saved, if you're not yet born again, the favor of God is after you. The favor of God is calling you to salvation. Verse 31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. The first time in the book of Luke, the name Yahweh, Jesus is mentioned. Yeshua is mentioned is right here when the angel of the Lord is telling Mary what they should call the son. It is interesting that the name did not come from his 
earthly father, it came from his heavenly father. Jesus was defined by the heavenly father. May we be defined through salvation by the heavenly father and not by those around us, not by people around us, not by our bosses, not by our colleagues, not by our friends, not by our parents. May we be defined by who God says we are, by the purpose that's on our lives. I was blown away as I've mentioned about um, Hopewell and Ayanda's situation, and uh, as we're praying for the baby and praying for the health of the baby, uh, uh, Hopewell said, Pastor Sai, can you ask the intercessors what they see about this baby? And I started sharing with Hopewell what they see about the baby, and Hopewell said, we will call this child Ntloso, which means peppers. God's peppers will be seen through this baby. May we find our identity in who the Father say we are. As we begin to close, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus' purpose, he came here on earth to redeem us, to bring salvation because his name is his purpose, Yahweh saves. We read in Acts 4.12, the Bible says, And there is salvation in no one else, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we may be saved. There is no other name by which we may be saved except the name of Jesus. Yahweh saves. That's Yeshua. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, By grace you've been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. By faith we have been saved. It is a gift of God. It is God's unmerited favor to us. If you've not received this gift from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, make today your day to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of, our life, of your life. Get in touch with us. We will pray with you. While Mary was still grappling with the news of the favor of the Lord and giving birth to the Son of God, uh, having to deal with the fact that she would be called the Mother of God, the angel assured her with a few things. Verse 32 to 33, we are told that the Son will be great. We know that the Bible speaks about the greatness of God. It also says the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. All these prophecies that have been spoken about Jesus before, Mary is hearing them. They've been reiterated to her to assure her that this is God's doing. It continues to say that of the throne of his father, David, he will be the one to reign. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there'll be no end. Right there is Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Of his kingdom there'll be no end. All these prophecies are assuring Mary that God is at work. The prophecies that you've received, write them down, jot them down and pray over those prophecies because they will surely come. Luke, the author, is also deliberate and methodical in the way that is fleshing out who Jesus is. We read in verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? Now Mary is responding differently. Faith has been built up. She's responding differently. She says, How is this going to be since I'm a virgin? That word repeated again. In verse 35, the angel of the Lord says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, will envelope you, will come over you like a cloud. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, son of God, will be called holy, the son of God. I like the fact that in this text, we read about how 
the Trinitarian God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are at work together. We see the same also in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says when God created the world, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. We see again the Spirit of God at work in the birth of Jesus Christ. When you continue to read verse 36 to 38, we read about how the angel is saying to Mary, Remember that Elizabeth is pregnant and she's in her six months. The angel is reminding Mary of the testimony of Elizabeth. I want to emphasize this point that Mary needed to hear Elizabeth's testimony to believe for her own testimony. God set it up in such a way that Mary's story was a parenthetical story within Elizabeth's testimony. The story starts with Elizabeth's testimony and it ends with Elizabeth's testimony. All of us, we need community. We need to be connected to others. We need to hear other people's testimonies in order to build our own testimony. So the reason we speak about being connected to community and connect groups in this church, it is because we know that it is through these connect groups that our faith is built when we hear other people's stories. And the connection between Elizabeth and Mary doesn't end there. We see it again in John and Jesus, their sons. All of us, we need to be discipled. We need discipleship. And in this church and in the Word, we see discipleship being defined as follow Christ, fellowship with other believers, and fish for unbelievers. That's all what discipleship is about. We follow Christ, we fellowship with other believers, and we fish for the lost. Discipleship is not meant to be an open-ended thing. Discipleship is walk with someone until they are ready to make disciples themselves. As we close, verse 38 says, Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We need to align ourselves to God's will, just like Mary aligned herself to God's will. Let it be to me according to your word, Lord. So what are we going to do with this word? What is the Lord saying to us? I'm reminded of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world so much that he sent his only son, Yeshua, Jesus, God saved, God our salvation, to die for us so that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Some of you may know the movie called Sally. It is based on an aeroplane that nearly crashed on the 15th of January, 2009. It was US Airways 1549. It hit a flock of geese just as it took off from JFK. And as it was about to crash land into some of the towers in America, in New York, the captain, Surly, he did his best to land it on the Hudson River. And as he landed this a plane skillfully and courageously on the Hudson River, he saved the lives of 155 passengers. If he had crash-landed in the city of New York, thousands of people would have died. He's now seen to be a hero, and the mayor of New York gave him the keys to the city. The keys to the city means you are allowed to come in and out, and you're given a place of prestige and honor. But I want to say to you today that Yeshua, Jesus, is the key holder. In Revelation 1.18, the Bible says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys of death and the grave. He has won over the grave, 
Oh, death, where is your sting? In Matthew 16, 19, the Bible says, I will give you, you and I, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Yeshua has given us the keys. Let us go and make Jesus known. Let us go and share the good news. Let us not keep them to ourselves. For those who have not given your life to the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, make it today your day. As we get ready to hear what Matilda is going to share with us, remember the importance of connecting with one another. God bless you. Wow, what an amazing word from Pastor Simon on God, our salvation, Yeshua. And the whole reason we walk in discipleship, the whole reason we're here today is because of God, our salvation, because of Jesus. And uh, there was this phrase that, uh, or this question that Simon asked during his um, sermon where he asked, have you ever been surprised by a task that's been given to you? And I have to say in that moment, I just thought, yes, this task that I'm doing right now, when they asked me to speak on discipleship, I was quite surprised because the last time I spoke on discipleship, I told the entire congregation that at Every Nation Rosebank, we have three, not one, not two, but three favorite F words. So I was quite surprised when they asked me to speak on discipleship again. And luckily, Pastor Simon has already mentioned what those words are, and it's to follow Jesus, fellowship with believers, and to fish for unbelievers. And today, I would like to speak to you a little bit more about fellowshipping with believers and fishing for men. But before we go there, I'd actually like to start by reading 2 Timothy 2 verse 4. And just to bring some background, at the time of this letter, Paul was actually in his second imprisonment in Rome. And many people see this letter as Paul's farewell discourse. And he's kind of writing his last letter to Timothy. And the general theme we pick up that Paul is writing to Timothy is he's giving him an encouragement that through it all, um, through whatever life may, may throw at him, that he perseveres in the faith, that he keeps going and keeps proclaiming and pursuing God and pursuing the things of God on his life, despite the suffering, hardships, and challenges he might face in life. And so we get to this point in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4, where Paul writes to Timothy, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. Other translations will translate civilian pursuits as civilian concerns or everyday affairs. And what I found interesting about the scripture is that Paul isn't saying that we don't have normal pursuits, that we don't have normal concerns or everyday problems, but he's saying in this that we shouldn't get entangled in them. We shouldn't get stuck in them or caught up in them. And Paul's encouraging Timothy that Yes, he can pursue things and pursue things in life. Yes, he has concerns and daily challenges because that's the life we live in, but he shouldn't get stuck in them and let that hinder him from pursuing the things of God on his life. Instead, Timothy should pursue God and pursue what pleases God. So what does please God? Obedience pleases God. The Bible says that God delights in our obedience more so than in our sacrifice. 
I think for many of us, we think that sacrifice means obedience, which is not necessarily the case. Yes, many times obedience will require for us to sacrifice or to live a life of sacrifice and to die to self, but it isn't one and the same. God delights in our obedience, not in our suffering. Matthew 28 verse 19 says, we should go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in all of his authority, after he has conquered death, after he has conquered the suffering of this world, looks to his disciples and he says, go therefore and make disciples. And this is what we have been commissioned with. My dad loves to say this thing where he says, it wasn't the great suggestion, but it was the great commission that all of us have received this command from Jesus who has authority over everything to go and make disciples. And it pleases God when we obey him and do this, this exact thing. As followers of Jesus, we can deny ourselves every single day and we can live sacrificially and give up our entire lives. But if it is not for the sake of obedience to Jesus, then it is really for nothing. As Pastor Sai mentioned, I'll be going to South Korea as a missionary and I had to confront many things in my heart regarding this mission trip. One of the things is living sacrificially and living from a place of sacrifice, giving up financial comfort to pursue this. And what I realized is that God has called me to make disciples. And if I'm going to South Korea and I do not make disciples, then I'm living and suffering for no reason. And so we really need to remember why we do what we do. We reach people, we engage with people because we wanna be obedient to God. So how do we fulfill this commission? How do we make disciples? Like Uncle Sai mentioned earlier, we do this through Connect Group. At Every Nation Rosebank, we trust God that we can make disciples and be in fellowship with one another through Connect Group. Connect Group is a place where we can fellowship together as believers, but at the same time, it should be a place where we're reaching out to unbelievers. Thinking about this, I was reminded of the time where Jesus sent out the disciples to different communities and he sent them out two by two. And this is just a beautiful picture of how God desires us to walk together in fellowship and community, but at the same time to be reaching our local communities, to be reaching people around us who may not know him. We're never called to do just one or the other, but it's a, it's a joint hand-in-hand thing that we have to do together. So we have to walk in fellowship, but we're also called to reach people and to fish for unbelievers. So today I'd like to talk to three different types of people. Firstly, if you are not in a connect group, if maybe it's your first time or you've just never heard of connect group or you've never been part of a connect group, I'd like to encourage you today to sign up to join a connect group. Connect Group is a vital part of our walk with God. It is a place where we can be held accountable and we can walk in transparency with people who love and care about us. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so friends sharpen one another. And so when we walk together, we are sharpened and can walk in in the calling that God has asked of us to fulfill. For those of you who are actually in a Connect, I would like to encourage you to sign up to start a Connect. 
I want to encourage you that you start to pursue this calling to make disciples, that it would not just be what Pastor Simon does or what I do or what your connect leader does, but that this would become a personal calling on your own life to go and make disciples. And lastly, if you're leading a connect group, I really want to challenge you. If you're just seeing it as a comfortable place to meet with people who you already know and who already love God, I want to challenge you to start stepping out in faith, to start reaching people who don't believe in God because we are called to lead by example. And so we're going to go into a moment now where you're going to be provided with a link in the live chat and you can follow this link to sign up to join a connect group or to sign up to start a connect group. And at, when you've done signing up, you put in all your details. We'll make sure to contact you and guide you on your next steps. But we're going to play some worship music and we're just going to allow you to take a moment to fill out that form and to sign up to either join or start a group. And I just want to encourage you at the same time that while we are called not to get entangled, yes, we have suffering. Yes, we have hardship in life. And God is not ignorant of that. He doesn't ignore that. He's very close to us and he's journeying with us. But Isaiah 26 verse 3 promises us that when our mind is set on him, that he keeps us in perfect peace. And so we can pursue the things that please God, like making disciples, and we can pursue God because our mind is set on him and he keeps us in perfect peace. So no matter what your doubts are, no matter what your fears are, I would encourage you to take a leap of faith, to trust God to use you in this and in Connect Group. Thank you, Pastor Simon and Matilda for speaking to our hearts today, reminding us that God's favor is available to each one of us. Even though we live in a broken world, God speaks into our fears, He has purpose for our lives, and He has given us His favor in Jesus Christ so that we might have eternal life. Today, if this word has spoken to you and you would like to give your heart to Jesus Christ, why don't you say this prayer with me? Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that he paid the sacrifice for me so that I might have eternal life and live for him all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed this prayer or you have prayer for anything else and would like to contact one of our counselors, please call this number on our screen and we will connect with you. Other than that, have a wonderful week ahead and we will connect with you again next Sunday. God bless you.